0: Welcome to the Martial Arts Business Podcast, helping martial arts club owners grow, develop and scale their schools with marketing, retention, systems, staff, branding, social media and much more, giving you the tools and skills to become a black belt in business. Here's your host, three times world martial arts champion, award-winning school owner, successful business coach, and number one best-selling author, Gordon Burcham. Really, really excited about this particular interview that we're doing um, today um, uh, because I know many of you in the martial arts space will know exactly who this gentleman is. Now, I wanna go back um, a few uh, years ago. So uh, sometimes gets a bit of a bad press, good press as well. Um, but undoubtedly, and I have said this in my seminars that I teach constantly say, you cannot deny this guy's uh, business acumen. You cannot deny what he has achieved and what he's done. Um, within the martial arts industry, the biggest, I think it's the largest martial arts franchise in the world, and um, done incredible things in martial arts business. And, um, I've got to know him as well and uh, over the years, slowly, slowly got to know who he is and he's a, I, I, I absolutely think he's a, a top, top guy um, and actually a real giving person as well, okay? He's got a heart of gold and I really, really like him. I'd like to re- welcome to the podcast, Mr. Matt Fidesz. How are you doing, sir?
1: I'm good, Gordon. I'll pay you later for that amazing intro. Thank <laughs> you very much. Very okay. good.
0: Oh Matt, I'm an honest person. I wouldn't say what I didn't think, as you know. So, no,
1: welcome. Well, it's good, honor to be on. Thanks for having me on, sir.
0: Uh, we we love. Uh, well, I, I, we've been trying to do this for a few years, but a few months, a very few months. I mean, at the start of the pandemic, we were talking about getting, getting you on doing the podcast and, and sharing your message. But um, first of all, like Matt, it's great to have you with us, and um, you know, it's great to communicate with you and chat with you and you've got a, you've got a big heart. And I wanna get that out to the martial arts world right now. You have a big heart, you're a nice guy, you're a good guy. Um, I spot people who are like, when, when we first met straight away, I knew you were a decent guy, no matter what the tabloids or you know, people say, etc. but I always go with what's in someone's heart. And you absolutely have got a big heart. And I know you've got, you know, we'll talk about your journey in uh, the arts and what you've done, et cetera, because I think it'd be really powerful um to share that today so um let's get it let's get to it so uh, matt um first of all it's really good for the listeners and you know whoever doesn't know you uh can I just explain who you are and what what you've done what you've got etc and uh, how long you've been in the martial arts industry
1: sure my name is matt Fidesz. i've been in the martial arts industry i've been training since i was five years old um started off in uh, taekwondo wtf taekwondo is my thing my traditional side. I was very passionate about that. But at 41, the kick ins become a bit more difficult, Gordon. But uh in my head it's I can still do it. Physically it's not like you can see like it was eight, nine years ago. But mm. uh yeah, built up a martial arts business, started it when I was seventeen. I was one of one of three the first people to bring bring the concept from the United States of martial arts business to the UK. And what I mean by that is the first people to do what you call direct debits now back then we there was called standing orders we never had direct debits that was a mind shift shift everyone was saying it can't be done and no one in martial arts would do it what well, we did we implemented some of the stuff from america 70 of the stuff worked some of the stuff didn't work and we adapted that and made some changes and learned how to make it work over the years and it was myself john jepson kim stones and a guy called Lee Charles, who, who um, I have a lot of respect for, no matter what people say about him. Don't judge people till you meet them. He's another guy who's a heart of gold, wonderful man. 100%. Uh, used to train with him, work out with him at his gym. I actually served protein drinks at his gym. Good. I don't know if you knew that for a while. I worked okay. for him when I was 14 years old, I believe. And and um, he was the guy who was like waving around, hey, Matt, you got to see what's going on in America. You know, I just he went out there and couldn't believe it. They got thousands of members. And back then, it's all about standards for us you know drilled in know in the Olympic style of taekwondo the thing about us all especially with Lee too because he was like multi-champion at that point like six times British champion we didn't want to compromise our standards for money and we just wanted to teach for a living lee had already worked that out in some form and um yeah that was the whole thing but Lee showed us all they're not compromising standards for money get get yourself out there have a look what's going on and that's that's where I led. I worked working as a lifeguard for two pounds, 75 an hour at the time. Uh, did some personal training at Lee's gym, um, with people at 16 years old. Um, you know, I, my, my didn't want to do. I had no qualifications whatsoever ever than my black belt. I failed all my exams. I'm not, I'm not proud of that Gordon. I just wasn't very good at it. And I just felt why learn stuff at school. I just felt like it was a babysitting service. Why do maths when I got a calculator? You know why we learn how to have my handwriting perfectly when we got computers? It just didn't make sense to me, and I didn't. I enjoyed history and learning stuff like I studied now, like non-fiction stuff. I would I wouldn't spend my time reading a book or anything like that. A fictional book, anything I watch on TV needs to be something that I absorb. So to me, I just felt like school was a complete waste of time. Now, if you want to be in a skill like be a doctor or a nurse or a dentist and stuff, of course, school is very important, but for me, I just wanted to be a martial artist. At 12 years old, I was in the, in my maths class. I still remember it to this day. Back in my exercise book, I wrote down all the goals. I'd already studied goal setting by that point. And being around Lee and and um, people training at a high level too, working for him in his gym, I could see he set goals at a young age in the chief. and achieved them. He's already successful, teaching martial arts and had his gym in Swindon, and um, that had a rub off effect on me too. When you're working out with 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 someone like Lee Charles. And we, even if we're doing weight training together, he'd push me the extra limit, even I was only like 15 years old. And, you know, he was never my instructor. I used to jump in some of his classes sometimes, but he, he was ITF Taekwondo, the other side of the, uh, of um, our art, uh, basically. But I used to jump in some of his classes sometimes and uh, um, just kind of, I was in the inner circle from an early age and that went on to greater inner circles. You know, they always say your net worth is your network, and that and that is pretty much, I think we used to be educated me and Lee is that you become the people you mix with in the books you read, um, right from a young age. So yeah, these Americans that uh, they were just impressed by this young kid, 17 years old. And this, that I became very friendly with a guy called Dave Kovar. A lot of you know, his household name in the martial arts. Uh, my instructor, very, very close friend of mine. And, um, he took me on his wing. They was so impressed with my ambition. Um, that, uh, yeah i just made it work and i think even lee had his doubts because of my age and stuff wherever we will make it work but when i started making the noise uh, and then back then it was all about cracking the first one to crack the ten pound a month mark yeah. and that was the thing kim stones was the first guy to do it master Stones from doncaster and we had a big celebration over that yeah. and then when he did it john Jepson did it then i did it and um i was the young kid you know they were like what the hell's going on when i was getting all the, these awards what's this kid doing you know like frank murphy and stuff he, he's always spoken highly of what i do and uh yeah and then from there i w- went and built my own kind of martial arts empire as it were and franchised it out and uh went international with it too i then went and did the same thing with other subjects so with uh, uh you know different types of uh sporting subjects basically same business model different subjects. we just adapt it like to dance and so on and it works beautifully as well but obviously martial arts is my passion and stuff and so is weight training Although I've, lost a, I've lost a lot of muscle in the lockdown i have to admit every time i start getting into it the gym they shut the gyms on me but uh <laughs> i'll be back as arnold says i'll be back yeah so, but uh yeah that's my life in a nutshell thousand i think we got a like thousand and twenty schools now we got 11 opening up in lockdown one of my franchisees like he's not letting it bother him. He's opened up eleven new locations in lockdown and uh, we're still gonna keep growing. I'm still as passionate about it now as ever will. Still train. I'll never be out of shape. That's just something about my my who I am really. And um yeah, just working towards. the walls. I just love helping people, Gordon. You know, it's not about the money with me anymore. It's, I'll be I'd be lying to say it wasn't when well, I was in my early twenties, but now it's not. It's it's about uh, I just love helping people become financially free. And I, and I get a thrill from that. Just like when you watch your, the kids and the adults get their black bag and you see the mum and dad crying. It's no better feeling in the world. And um, with me, I just like helping people. And, and that's if I could just help someone today just to go on and be inspired and be successful in whatever they do, then uh, that'll make me happy. It's amazing, Matt. It's really good.
0: And you can feel the authenticity in what you're saying there. And I know on that journey, so you kind of brushed over it very, very quickly. But... You know, to achieve what you did, you're at 17 years of age. Yeah. Um, you opened your first martial arts school, is that when you, was, when you were 17? Yeah. And, you know, talk mm-hmm. through the first sort of year of that. Like, what was your thing that you did at that, you know, when you first started, you were all out. Was it full-time part? What did you do for that
1: first 12 months at 17 years of age? So we go to these seminars back then, and the Americans would fly in, um and... My, my, your friends like Lee and staff will tell you, and Kim Stones and staff, John Jepson, By the time, by the time I drive from where the seminars were held, which is Swindon, to my home in North Devon, which is about two and a half hours, I would have everything implemented, ready to go. I was an action taker, big time. You know, I just, I just wanted to get on with it. I wanted to be ahead of Kim Stones. You know, and, uh, and stuff. And uh, me and him have running joke. He was actually on on a podcast yesterday with me with Rob Moore. I saw him making them comment. And he used to say to me, uh, you'll never catch me, man. You'll never catch me. I said, I will, Kim. I'll teach you how to kick kick properly, too. And he was like, we'll champion at that point. So uh, I was scared to death of him. So sometimes he <laughs> still had the business back then. He was huge and uh, in the martial arts world. And, but no, we, we had this banter upon us. And us four uh, really connected. Uh, another guy, too, called Ken Pankovic, as well, uh, to, to make this happen. But no, I just took massive action. I didn't doubt it. I didn't have anything else to do. Gord. I, I done. I'd always worked. I worked at McDonald's. I'd done pizza hut delivering. All these jobs uh, that I was allowed to do at sixteen to make money to be able to do this. It went against what my parents t- told me. My mum was a lawyer. Um, she passed away sadly at fifty six in two thousand twelve. That's when I really woke up and become a um, you know a bit more humble, I guess. And open to the martial arts world because i i stay closed in for a purpose to be controversial which we'll talk about later um and a lot of the negative stuff we we thrive on that i mean we we like the hate that's our free publicist but the um yeah it, it, it was just taking massive action Seventeen two presented issues with me because you try getting guys to work for you who are in their 30s for, for a 17-year-old and then the legal issue too my first full-time center in basketball was owned by an estate agent but you imagine i walk in there with, with a tracksuit on and uh, i say to the guy i want to look at rate you know using his building and at the time it was all offices and had to be all knocked down partitions to make it into a dojo and he stared at me and thought oh, i was crazy he said how are you going to make any money i cry how the heck are you going to make any money out of it and he said you got to knock down all my offices and if it goes wrong then i'm left with one big open room but my mum was a conveyancing lawyer and she convinced him give my son a chance. I think I think he could make it happen. So he gave me six months rent-free. And I remember it so well back then because I just saved enough money working as a lifeguard at £2.75 an hour uh, to, to be able to, to get the paint done and stuff. And myself and the girl, girlfriend at the time, uh, we, I remember uh, the premises is very famous in North Devon for the launch of uh, the MF brand. We still got it to this day. And it's right on the front square. And I remember on New Year's Eve, and I was painting with her, and they were doing the celebrations with the fireworks at midnight. And I was questioning myself, "Am I doing the right thing here?" But then you are—you're doing, you're going against the grain. You're doing what others won't. And that was a big lesson. And and the story to the lease too is that I can't—you can't sign a lease at 17 years old. You know, I'm not an adult officially, but my girlfriend was. So, wrongly or rightly, I mean, she's friends with me now. She goes to trains at one of my schools too. I, um, I We. I asked her politely because she changed her name by default to Fidesz. <laughs> and she she, signed, she she kind of signed the lease basically and uh off we went the, the landlord was happy six months rent free you know six months later i had seven hundred members i was doing uh mm. seven hundred active members at one location where i was doing eighty thousand a month in income and that was a combination of billing and all the other income streams gradings and everything else a couple of grand a month of overheads and yeah it was That's just awesome. like, i thought it was like uh at the time i just thought it was luck if i'm honest because i didn't have anything to compare it to and then i just and uh it was i was teaching 20 hours a week of classes i think the issue you have i had then is that the mentality that you have to be a black belt to, to be able to teach mm-hmm. so obviously i never had black belt students mm-hmm. uh, and mentality that it has got to be six seven eight nine year journey too yeah. so i had to get my head around the concept my, my mindset to get how can i produce instructors that aren't black belt. i don't get that i've never that's not how I've been brought up in the martial arts, especially in WTF, traditional Taekwondo. So my instructor disowned me. I mean, one of them didn't, but one the, the, the one who was president of the organization just disowned me. And I think he disowned Lee as well, actually, over what we were doing. It's funny because years later, they copied exactly what we were doing. Hey, like, geez, you know, yeah. the whole thing, and then launched it across their association. But that's another story. But no, I didn't know any different, and I had to make it work because I wanted to prove the bullies wrong at school. I wanted to prove my mum and dad wrong. You know, they didn't talk to me for a couple of years because they thought I was making waste of my life. They wanted me to be a vet. But I just loved kicking people in the head Yeah. I, I tried judicia at first. That was the first style I tried. And I couldn't handle I didn't like being thrown. I mean, I'm six foot four. It's just it's just not my thing. Uh, Break falls and stuff. But I got these long legs. And for some reason, I could already do the splits and stuff. And I just love kicking people in the head. You know, not not nastily, Just get a full out of sparring yeah. and kicking people yeah. in the head and stuff. And, it was my thing with wtf just right on my street and uh yeah i had to learn to accept to bring in new ideas embrace it to what parents want not what i want what do the parents want they couldn't care less how many championships i'd won as a kid in wtf taekwondo they couldn't care less about my trophies Mm. my my awards how high i can kick whether i could do the splits on the chairs and that was one of my goals gordon i know it sounds ridiculous but (laughs) blood sport mate (laughs) <laughs> i don't know what we did i mean lee charles was awesome at it, actually and uh, and yeah we just went as one of my goal sheets is getting to be able to splits on the chairs being able to kick the ceiling at school all these naughty things and i look back and think what were you thinking matt you know and it's funny yeah, when you drive and i had this tremendous hate towards me at the beginning for the martial arts industry but and my local town could really make out of me but when you're when you're like 20 years old and you're driving around with a perm long hair with your top off, with baby little, in fantastic shape. We all, we all worked hard. We all, me, Charles, the everyone, we six packed up all the time, perfection. With 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 a Juro tan on fake <laughs> tan. Yeah. and you're in this Ferrari, and you're hanging around one of the most famous people in the world, and you wonder why people hate you and can't relate to you. Well, back then when you are a kid, you just don't get it. Now, when I look back, I understand why people might have thought it was a little weird and strange. Well, this kid popped into my town with thirty thousand people, got best part of a thousand people training making a fortune. everyone's talking about you making up all these stories they never even met me it was outrageous and uh got imagine magazine a ferrari in a little country town was unheard of <laughs> you know the gossip was unreal people just when, when the iphones came when camera, smartphones came out it became irritating everywhere i went they were, they were taking pictures but yeah I, I i get it now but back then i didn't get it but yeah, i got taught very early on to embrace the uh the hate and the reason i I didn't go to martial arts events and stuff because I want I wanted to keep what I've been taught the mystery going the controversy yeah and and a lot of the stuff that I do media wise I'm behind it you know I'm behind what I it's a strategy in order to be have people interested in what you do you have to be an interesting person and people who watch this have always talked about me loved me or hate me they've they've never met me I can assure you but when I go to an event you've seen what it's like i've been event with me all day long all they want to do is have a picture and an autograph and so on and uh i'm trying to be at a martial arts event to enjoy it which has become impossible for me then i get told by organizers of the event, you know the guys who hate you they've just been on that long queue Mm -hmm. and well the first time i met you actually uh Gord was the first martial arts event i I did it for bob sykes as a favor to show up and i and i showed up um and i wanted to go to my kids to have an experience to see other martial arts in action and for me too it was martial arts but it was impossible from the minute i turned up there i was literally mob silly and um yeah it, it was i loved it was good for me because in my head the keyboard warrior sir i was worried about which way it was gonna go mm. but um yeah it, it was just the love i felt that day from all the martial arts i didn't get a chance to actually experience it i remember getting in the car i said to my wife i said, flipping heck that was just exhausting it's the non-stop Mm-hmm. Can I have a picture? Can I have this? And and then Bob said to me, "I said, I told you, Matt, I told you, they they're not really haters. They just don't know you as a person. That you're a nice guy. You have created this image that they can't understand. And I told you, you need to get out there more and talk to these guys and show them what you're all about. Mm-hmm. And that day, they saw you're approachable. You're a nice guy. You did every, you shook every hand, took every picture, mm-hmm. you talked to everyone. And uh, and that's what it's all about. That's that's how I built my success, and I, I, you go to my events, I got you know close to five thousand people at my last championships i made sure i shook a hand and and picture of everyone that day from eight in the morning to ten at night and they come back numerous times to every time they win a trophy award and that personal touch is what it's all about and i kept my clothes self-closed off from the martial arts world for a reason because i felt i was treated wrong in my early 20s and i didn't want to be done with that now bob was chucking me on the front cover cover the magazines all the time he knew obviously he loved the controversy of me he was unknown and he was skeptical of me at first but he said to me i want you to come up to huddersfield i want you to spar with me and and prove your case and then, uh you see how you get on and then if you get on well i want to stick you on the front cover of martial arts illustrated and for every kid that's that's, that's my dream yeah. you know and uh i drove to the huddersfield and, and uh, literally man he kicked the hell out of me <laughs> he was awesome that guy but at the end of it he shook my hand and he bowed to me and he put me on the front cover and then I'd everyone turn that up, but yeah. And going back to that event in that queue for people wanting to have pictures, and there's you know, people like Sandy Holt and stuff who I've grown up admiring, you know, watching him. On, on, and I'm like, well, you want a picture of me? You're my childhood idol. I don't get it, yeah. you know. His funny hair is sticking. Out. We still to stay in contact now, and uh, you know, a massive scan and stuff. I mean, all these people I've looked up to, and uh, yeah, I just, I just felt I was mistreated, Gord, if I'm honest. And um, but now I, look, I know. I don't know how. how many, I look back now at 41 years old, and I get it. I get it. I get
0: you what know It's um, and that's a great story, great share there, Matt. Because there's a few things in there, like like success leaves clues. Now, one of the things that is really, really important is that you you number number one is you were very disruptive at the time. Now that takes courage. I don't care what anyone says; they can they can say what they want, but people will go, "Well, it's all about the money." Blah 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 blah. No, there's courage in there to disrupt and do something different. Like when you can disrupt it, when everyone's throwing in two pound coins into a, into a bucket and you're deciding you're going to take direct debits, i.e. standing orders, that takes courage. It takes courage to go and open a franchise. It takes courage to go and change, like go, well, you don't have to be a black belt to teach. Yeah, you know, you, 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 as long as you're a great teacher, you can teach. If you go for a program, you can teach, which is very disruptive in a, in a martial arts uh, world. And then you go and do something that most people haven't done. And You built a personality around that. You put a brand around that. Now people can say what they want. We'll get to the Michael Jackson thing in a minute because I think that's important you know, to, to get, get done here. But you know what it's like. Like people, I totally agree with you. Like what I see, and this is where I believe sometimes martial arts schools can be clo- artists can be closed off. They don't look at everything's yin and yang, and everyone's got good and bad. We've all got good and bad. Like you know this. There's love. There's hate. It's, it, it's all the same. But where I feel you've had, you probably had bad press. Is they've not, and this is what I try and champion when I honestly I talk about you. Right? I say, look at what's great about what he does. Like the guy knows how to build a business. He knows how to build a brand, and what's more importantly, he knows about customer service. He knows how to deliver. You know, you can talk about martial arts all day long, but in fact, and what's you know, you had this before most people got this, Matt. Right, and they're they coming around to this in the UK now. But you know, and I'm trying to dig this into a I'm saying they don't give a damn. I said I don't give a crap that you've won multi-world championships. They don't give a shit. They care about what they're getting. And what you did really well, and I've got to honor you for this. At that time, you got, it's about what people want. It's always been about what people want. And if you give people what they want, they will buy. So Noah, I commend you on that to be able to do that. And actually, what they want is a great instructor. Now, here's what I want to champion right here for you and, and back you here, is that I know there's Tons and tons, thousands of martial arts black bats who are shit instructors. That's a fact, right? You cannot, there's so many martial arts instructors out there that are sorry, uh, black bats who can't instruct for topping. And I have seen this, I've I been helping lots of martial arts schoolers, hundreds, if not thousands now. Every time I ask that question, everyone, I'll say, who knows, bad martial arts instructors are black bats, and they put their hands up. And 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 it's not about being a black belt to be a great instructor and leader. It's about being a great coach. Now, some people will listen to someone like like to hear that. Some of our best instructors have been that lift a child and how to lift a, a class. They know how to deliver great customer service. So I just wanted to say that, Matt, because like that that needs to be said. You know, are you ahead of the game
1: there? Parents parents need to look at their instructor and think that's what I want my child to represent by training in your school, as attitudinal as a qualities. Are they in shape? Are they goal-orientated? Are they respectful? Yep. They couldn't care less about play kicks, championships. There is a place for that, Gordon. There's like a 10% uh, membership. That's why we do our championships. Yeah. Uh, and they're only, they only care about what are you going to do for my kid or what are you going to do for me to help me lose weight? Yeah, what are you do for me to help me become more confident? You know? And more importantly, Matt, I love that. And also how they
0: connect with you. Let's be honest and let's be raw here. There are so many black belt instructors out there, instructors who have an ego. And that ego comes in contact with a, you know, parent, a student. And it's like, well, I am here. Now, I know that you will not guarantee this. And I don't know how you went to school. I can guarantee you approachable. I can guarantee you a person that people can relate to. I'm guaranteed that your instructors that you have in your organization are approachable. They get it. They're all there for their people. I know that. And I don't even know you. I know that's a fact because people buy from people. And, and many martial arts, you can learn, like, so if you're listening on the podcast here or watching the live stream, guys, like, learn from Matt in this area because it doesn't matter how great you are at martial arts. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It, what matters is your how you serve the people that are standing in front of you. And and I think you you know you you've proven that Matt. I mean you've got you know, you say you got how many how many members do you think you've got? You got a thousand local how many records you've got over your whole association?
1: Over a hundred thousand, easy. Hundred
0: thousand.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hundred thousand.
0: And here's the thing, I I looked into this right okay because I got caught up in that years ago. Oh Matt, Phillips, well. You know all this bro. okay, but I'm open minded enough to go and do my do 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 do. Due diligence. Wow. That is hard <laughs> to say, right? Um, um, but I did, Matt, and I went and had a look. And what I looked for was, right, okay, what is, what's the magic here? What are they doing? What's Matt doing? That is great. I remember looking at your website years ago, Matt, with your flying psychic, with your ponytail here. and going, this guy's got it. The website was amazing. I think this guy gets marketing and branding. Like I know and you've got the flying psychic going on there, the brand, the look, the feel. I thought the website was amazing. But I had a look and I was just like, what
1: Let's is be there is it he is? To be there kick. is
0: <laughs> he's in there, he's in there, right? And 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 I was like, what's this guy doing? That's great. And then I looked, so I was like go and research your and I go and have a look around your different martial arts school loaders. And what became apparent is within what they were doing, lots of people had a lot of respect for what Matt Fidesz martial arts schools were doing. So it's like, well, I'm sorry. And, and, and you know, the main pushback was from martial artists in the UK. You know, that was the big pushback for you, wasn't it? And, uh, and, and that's everyone's right. They can do what they want. But that's when you look at it and think, well, actually, 100,000 people, Matt Fidesz is branding his people. They're clearly doing something right because you don't have 100,000 students, by the way, if you're doing anything wrong. And number two, here's what's really important is that you're helping change them ch- children's and adults' lives through what you do. And that, for me, is important. Doesn't matter what, the standard and whatever people want to throw out there, because I don't believe that's true anyway, but, but that's what people throw out there. You know it. I'm just going to speak real and real. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah,
1: but,
0: but what you are doing is, and I've looked at it, and the people, they love what you do, and they, they feel inspired and motivated. So I just wanted to put that out. it's really important,
1: you know, to say in this interview. It's true, Gordy. And you're not going to be around in business 24 years later and still growing, if you're not giving the public what they want. And uh, do you know what? It's all changed now, I have to admit, with the martial arts world. In uh, 15 years ago, it was tough going. It was tough going. And some things did get to me. You wouldn't have seen it, but it did get to me. The comments I'd read on the forums and stuff like that. um, And my friends would say, just don't read it. They're they're your free publicists, and They're the ones who created the attraction for people to inquire about what the hell is this guy doing who bought franchises. Mm. And across my network too, they, I cast them as a family. They, all of my franchisees are my family. It's, we call it the MF family, and I'll do anything for them. And at the start of the lockdown, I got on a Zoom in the mall, midnight, and they were all there looking for me for the magic answer. I didn't have the magic answer. But what I did say to them, I'm obviously secure financially. I've got my property, which is very, very successful. We have a, over 100 properties there. Um, by let half of my HMOs, I'm, I'm financially secure. Guys, not one of you on this Zoom is gonna go broke lose your home not be able to eat or you're gonna come out of this because I'm gonna financially back you for it and I said not only that I'm gonna fund your marketing because I know at the end of this lockdown one that we're talking about that you probably not gonna have any money you're not gonna have enough money to, to to advertise and get out there so I used my my own money well over 150 thousand pounds my own personal funds I kept my word and pulled them all back now, we lost 37%. doesn't sound like a lot. Well, that's 37,000 members. That is a lot. <laughs> yeah. We pulled them all back within six weeks. I, and I also gave them free uniforms out of my own money as well. So I, I shown them and proved to them how much they mean to me. And I, I know their kids' names. I know what they're doing um i pay for some of their medical bills when they have problems I like to go private i go the extra mile for them all and they know i'm there for them it's not just about paying me a percentage to be part of my brand it's they're they're on there for them is they're like a brother of um father figure or whatever their mentor and uh i i go it's much more than just uh, um martial arts or pilates or yoga or dance franchises it's it's that they're, they're part of a brand that that would guarantee them. If they got in trouble, I would fight their corner. If they got in legal trouble, I'll be there for them. And I, I have been too. I funded properties for some of them, so they can get on it quick and get remortgages So, if, you know, you know, I find out someone's ill, then I'll call them. And for throughout throughout the years too, even like happy birthday messages, I I must do thirty to fifty of them a day. I've got no problem with that of doing that and ringing up a member and they, they get all shocked that I've called them and that their instructor's made that contact with me. And I'm on the phone talking to their kid saying happy birthday. That's how you build a brand. That's it nice.
0: Mate, I just got to commend you there. Um, that is absolutely phenomenal. 150,000 pound of your own money. Some people will go, well, it's so all right. I could afford it. Yeah, that's not the point. It's not the point. It's actually going out and wanting to do that. Getting on and supporting people. Like, you know, like guys, if you're, li- wait, you guys who are listening to this right now, I want you to really take stock of what Matt's doing here. You understand why he's so successful. He's successful because he cares. You can't get successful. if You don't care, especially in something like a community based business like martial arts is he cares for his franchisees. He wants to back them. He's there for them, you know, and I'm, I, you know, I think it's amazing. And, and, and here's the thing, guys, I have said, and, and you'll love this, by the way, uh, Matt. I tell people to do video birthday messages for for just. How long does it take? Takes a couple of seconds. Here's the thing: I teach it. I tell people do it. How many think you do it? Hardly any. Why? It's of bothered or they're too busy. You're taking the time out
1: to do that every single day. Powerful thing you can do. If you hear a kid sick, get on the phone to them. You know, and go that extra mile. They're not expecting it. And it just blows them away. I do it because I just love it. You know, I love the reaction. It makes me feel like I've achieved something out of my career. Because it's not the money and the, the flashy cars and this incredible house and all that stuff. It, we're all, all going to end up in a box one day. Go, we can't take it with us. And like you were right earlier on, I never focused on the money. The money I was always taught by Nick Kakinas, who's my mentor, and he was yeah. quite out me at that point, is that focus on. Student, we call it student service, customer service, basically. Focus on incredible student service, money will be the byproduct to that. I've never focused on the money. The money came because I provided flipping incredible, damn classes. That if people, you know, people actually did turn up in the air, some of my biggest critics turned up, took part in some of my classes. Who I read, these guys are people I read about in the magazines, and um, they took part in the classes. And I'm like, geez, man, that was amazing. I can see why you're putting people in. And, uh, yeah, they just – it's not that hard, guys. you just got to model what what I've done. But what I did get right was I learned the value of branding, PR, and marketing, and that we're not in the business of – if you want to teach martial arts, it's great. You can be the best teacher in the world. But if you haven't got members to teach in the first place, you've got a serious problem. So unless you can sell, unless you can market, unless you can build a brand, it's even harder in today's world because back then, Gordon, we didn't even have, like, uh, DBS checks or anything. You could just go out and hire a whole they didn't ask any questions now because of the since holly and jessica were, i don't know if you remember that uh, that's when dbs checks first came in and now now because of the you know the world is so, so on to pedophiles and stuff like that anything to do with kids they will they would rather go over a well-known established brand with social proof because google's around now your whole life's in there like it or not mm. good yeah. bad yeah. and ugly it's in there or are they going to go with the starter now if you're going to be a starter in these days then you've got a choice you can either associate yourself to people who've been around for a long time and follow the model or you can try and work it all out yourself and good luck with that i don't, I honestly believe and i've always said i'm always very honest and it does upset people but i always say if i was starting off today on my own matt for 17 on my own today in today's world probably would have turned back and give up i got a job as a personal trainer you know back then it, there's a certain element of timing for sure i was one of the first but uh the younger you are the more hungry you are for success you got to keep that hunger going and some of my successful friends make an effort um to to stay childlike and to stay hungry uh for success to to be able to... it's all about for me leaving something behind as a legacy for my kids because i think the world's going to be a tough place mm. where, for my children and their children so it's about leaving something behind to take care of them when i'm not here that will be around forever that's what it is and my franchise is no too you know obviously financial goals is important we you, there isn't there isn't the biggest cause of divorce is, is uh financial problems stress is financial problems antidepressant there's there is no romance about finance guys i'm sorry if you don't like that but that is very true you know I mean, i'm a kid I'm, I'm 41 years old you see my missus she's gorgeous she's 27 right i i would not attracted someone like that if i wasn't successful and confident and a leader and stuff yeah. i know that you know there's no way it's uh i also attract a lot of the opposite people who want to be my friend for the wrong reasons i have to be very wary of but the yeah the, the whole concept of you've got to be humble you, you have to be um a personal brand you have to be they have to know like and trust you and be approachable yeah. from my is no when i go and take mf plc which i will And I will make hundreds of millions of pounds. They will too on the back of me. They'll they'll come with me on that journey. And that's not because they're doing it for the money. It's because they're doing it because they're going to be left the legacy for their kids and they'll never have to worry about money again. And I'm sorry, people say they're not interested in the money. Well, really? I think (laughs) (laughs) lockdown one, they learned they were worried about money because a lot of the big players on the phone to me saying, any chance you jump on this podcast because they were looking for the answers. They they saw how vulnerable they are. 100%. 100%. 100%. You gotta build those pillars in place so that you always financially there. You gotta to get to six figure income, then you need to invest it to get passive income, and then you'd set up for life. And my franchises understand that and I teach them that stuff. And when I when I when I really make it one day when we PLC, which will be probably in the next five, six years or so, then they'll come with me on that journey and because they get initial public offering the day before, they'll be in there and they'll they'll all become multi-millionaires set up for life. Most of us set up for life anyway, but really set up for life, you know. And and they're they're on that journey with me, so uh, I think it's brilliant, Matt. I think it's great. And what we're
0: talking about here is going to open people's eyes, no doubt. You know, they're going to listen to what you're saying here, and it's way bigger than most people are doing. Like in the sense of what you're thinking, how you're thinking, and you know, you're a kid who's come from uh, nothing at school. Like you just weren't. You, you told me um, you don't, I don't know if you that people know. I don't know if you want to share what you shared me the other day about writing. I don't know whether you want to share that, uh, but you know you
1: want. yeah sure
0: yeah you see we're dyslexic you can't wait is that right yeah
1: yeah okay yeah cool. Yeah, i can't write yeah i can't write you can't write uh, okay. you know what, I, i've kept that a secret for i don't know 20 years and the only reason i decided to come out and talk about it because i saw uh harry redknapp on piers morgan talk about the same thing and yeah. how he was received and i thought you know what's the point because it's quite difficult for me because when i check into hotels and stuff uh I gotta fill out the forms i cannot fill them out yeah. what am i supposed to say at that point so i have to pass it to my wife yeah. and then she feels that we have like a strategy to try and hide that process mm. or i all i i don't need to be able to write that's the strange thing i sign autographs and sign things and that's literally all i have to do uh, I, I, there's never a situation like i remember when i first met monique in south africa and i wrote notes to myself that i can understand what well, looks like hydroglyphics anyone else but um, I can understand what they are. She came. She came in into my room and said, "Who's been in here? What child's been here and wrote that?" You know, and I was really hurt by it. And I thought, "Ah, oh, dear me!" And I didn't want to admit to her at the time it was me. And over time, she realised it was my my um, handwriting. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I can't. Well, basically, the, nuts the shell of it is that um, they assumed I was right-handed at school. And then they realized at 12 years old, I was actually left-handed. I should have realized myself because I was kicking with my left leg and stuff and kicking footballs with my left leg and things. And they tried to get specialists to help me with my, my uh, with like special gadgets and stuff to write. But it was too late by that point. Um, I, I can't spell very well. Uh, my grammar's is appalling. But someone attacked me on Instagram the other day. So I was talking about what I do. And they're like, you can't spell and write. You need to, before you advise people, you need to learn how to spell and uh, ground right. And I and I wrote back and I was like, that's exactly why right. I'm successful, man. I'm doing what the others don't. <laughs> and Matt, <laughs> and me, Dave Holland wrote on it then too, and attacked him
0: as well. Who did? Dave Holland. Oh, brilliant! And you know what, mate? Like you know, and it's important that you share that. You can't, you know, you're, you're dyslexic. You can't, you can't write. It doesn't matter. And this, like, like, and that's inspirational, mate. That's why you should share that because it, gives, it shows the real who you are, you know? And I think it's really important. I really thank you for sharing that on here because it's important, you know, success. You know, what would you define here that's made you successful? Like, tell me, give me, give me some of the things that you believe has helped you become successful.
1: Um, mindset is the key to everything. And also communication is the mother of skill, it's hugely. I, I was around an inner circle at a very young age Who were talking about ideas and great things and they were all billionaires or multi-millionaires it was not a normal transition into adult life while my friends at 18 were going to nightclubs and things i was hanging around with some of the biggest names in the entertainment and business world that is going to have a knock-on effect on your life i didn't realize at the time what it would happen how it was happening but um of course it would and if you spend your life mixing with those people you will become those people you your gestures how you talk and um how you think and stuff so i couldn't care less what the martial arts industry was saying about me um because these other people were saying to me at the time oh you're doing good you've got to worry about it when they stop talking about you yeah keep keep it going matt keep it controversial because that's how you're gonna get people talking about you become a brand mm. become a, become a big name and you're going to attract franchises to you. You're going to attract members because it something these guys who are talking about you so bad or good, then you must be doing something. So they come and check you out. They meet you. And all these people who uh, have got their opinion about me, they never met me. They've never trained with me. They wouldn't stand a chance, man, if they spied against me. I'm sorry, guys, but you wouldn't. Even now, 41, I, I could still do that. <laughs> you, you all got beer belly sort of mouth and stuff, and they're, they're all hiding behind their computers and things. Yeah. You know, the fact is, is that myself and Lee, who got a lot of stick as well, they always say, Lee dog takes the fawns. Geez, man, I took some flipping fawns in the early years. But the fact is, these guys, they couldn't mind. You know, they're the ones, they were in the probably 50s and 60s now. So I seen out of shape. and not, I'm not going to disrespect them for what, they're, what they were taught by their instructors and stuff, but... As a martial artist, you gotta show a bit of respect here. Things change in time. It's not like it was two thousand years ago. You gotta adapt. We got guns now, man. We you can't defend yourself against a flipping knife. If someone's coming at you a knife, you gotta turn around and run. That's your best defense. You can't all these crazy moves to trying to go a knife and stuff. It's just ridiculous. What they want is pure, solid, honest education. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, God, we talked about this, and people with me, they always see the glamour uh glitzy side what they don't see is that i have gone through a school of hard knocks education and in 2009 things people used to say to me when my i did very well I, I sold my um i had a martial arts i expanded to germany and we sold 118 franchises in one night and it was incredible at uh, 12 000 euros a pop and then about 18 months later i decided that this ain't uh uh, it's difficult with the language problem and stuff and things. Um, and a company came and wanted to meet me called Twenty Four Hour Fitness, and they came over and they put an offer on the table. And the guy—it's been, it's been in the media at the time. It was—it was a big story. He paid 1.4 million uh, to me at the time, uh, euros, I think it was, and I was only like 23 for for the network. And he changed the brand name from MF to a different brand name and it crashed and burned within 18 months because he didn't have that drive like I had behind it. You know, you got to have that drive. You do it on your own, you're alone. He didn't have the social proof and stuff. And it was sad to see it crash and burn, but I had all the, the, the money which I invested into the properties and stuff. But he taught me a very important lesson, which I didn't believe. I drove, after the deal was done, I was driving him back to the airport for his flight back to Germany. And he said to me, you know what, Matt? Everything you touch in the minute turns to gold. Something will go wrong eventually um so be careful for that you know something will go wrong and I said nah, nothing's gonna go wrong man I read the right books I mix with the right people I've got the powerful friends I stay in shape you know um everything's fine and he was so right because in 2009 I was on antidepressants I was on sleeping tablets I was on uh, Valium sedatives I was loneliest flipping man in the world I felt you know in mansions with with these incredible cars on the drive and some of your friends have been to my my house then too it's insane to have a house like that 20 years old um and the reason being is everything just came at once one of one of my f- friends died in a tragic way then my due to my de- dedication not getting a life balance right with my three daughters and my my ex-wife who i get on very well with by the way she's wonderful um I, you know i didn't give her the the respect i was just obsessed with my career obsessed 5am to 11 o'clock at night sometimes two or three in the morning not seeing her or the kids not you know and when i did that show rich house poor house i was honest in that and i said that the reason for my marriage breakdown was because i was too obsessed with my my fame success and uh at the time and i and i didn't get the balance right so she wanted a divorce so that and i thought i missed a big shot I got the money and powerful friends i get the best barrister hey i don't work man in the court it's not on the man's side (laughs) so yeah i tried to keep the children with me hire a big shot barrister uh, who works like big shot people like tom cruise and stuff like that and um yeah i I lost the kids to her i got i saw them like once every two weeks for the court order all my assets got frozen because the way it works the family court you know uh even my properties got frozen even though they're in my own name because i was too selfish enough not to put her name on them at the time i mean that's the way i felt you know uh, and then i got the and then i got the call I uh, that you all hope you're never gonna get i know you've been through something similar gordon which is unreal is that the rock the one person who had faith in me who didn't have a jealous motive or anything who said always said to me you know I used to go to her and say, you know, mum, why is my life strange? Why, you know, why is it, is it weird? What's happened to me? Because my brothers went down a different angle. Like, one of my brothers – sadly, I'm not in contact with any of my brothers because this is the downside to being successful, unfortunately. And she said to me, no, you, you're not weird. You're just my special son. You're the special – you know, you, you're here for a reason to inspire people. I mean, she was like my rock, man. She, she had nothing and she – and when my dad lost his job, he became the house husband. She was a legal executive. She homeschooled as a as a lawyer and became a lawyer in her 30s. And I looked up to her and I'd talk to her 20 times a day and bounce off the ears, the ears off her. And she had to always, you can do anything you want, my son. You don't need to have these qualifications. Don't listen to these people. Well, she called me up and she said, Matt, where are you? And I said, I've just, can you sit down? She said, I've just been to the doctor, so I've got six months to live. And I was like, geez, I just can't. I, I just couldn't accept it. And I wouldn't accept it. I got straight on the phone, she had breast cancer. I got straight on the phone to uh, a professor in Dublin. I got my super famous best buddy to help out too, to get an appointment with this person. And he looked at my mum's scans and stuff, and uh, um, there was trial drugs for 50,000 pounds, which I paid for and things like that. And he said to me, you know, Matt, uh, there's nothing we can do. There's there's nothing we can do. We can keep trying these drugs, and they're putting my mum through a howl. Her skin was peeling off, she was going. The side effects of this chemo was unreal. Um, anyway, she, she, she we, call, we call it the dark three years of my life, basically from two thousand nine to two thousand twelve. We we lost her then. We she wanted me to come and see her. She was in Kidderminster at the time, um, and her and my stepdad were in the living room. He said, I, "I want you to make a decision as my eldest son uh, about my future. I don't want to be going through this pain. I want quality of life. So there's this new drug that can come out, it may, it may give me six months, or the drug they tell me if I come off all drugs." i will be able to see my daughter, her grandchildren, and have some quality time with you for maybe another month. And that's what I'd rather. And, and I respected her. It was the hardest conversation ever. You know, We we went and picked the coffin with her, where she wanted to be buried. She was so brave. i take my hat off to my mother. She picked the site she wanted to be buried in. Uh she wanted a white coffin, you know. She didn't want she didn't want to. The norm that's my mum cost me an absolute fault. I wanted to make sure it was lead proof because she's worried about. I mean, we talked about all these things and Where she went, it was a blow. I mean, I was like, wow, I'm on my own on this planet now. I've got no wife. I can only see my kids in line with a kids access order. I've uh weekends I used to dread Friday. So I used to go back to the mansion of the house, wander around this big place to three o'clock in the morning, didn't trust anyone. You try meeting a girlfriend when you meet at that age too, when your best friends are like the most famous men in the world, they, they know anything about you. I've got some preconceived idea about you from gossip or what Google says. You sit down with a girl and they, uh, they, they just want to talk about one thing, which is my friends, my famous friends and my career. It was hard to get that trust. I remember one girl I became really attached to. And when it got to the point where we're going to get jiggy, right? She had um, a calf muscle. She had, a. Uh, a a tattoo a permanent tattoo of my best friend that who just passed away in a in a in a dancing type position and it freaked me out a little bit you know i was like whoa you told me you didn't, you wouldn't care about it. it turned out she was one of his biggest fans you know i still got jiggy with her stuff but i didn't speak again. <laughs> <laughs> god I'll be honest you know but uh yeah spending christmas i mean christmas was just like. The most painful. It was two in a row. For some reason, I would always split up with a girl around November. And then yeah, one Christmas we was i was snow there's just too much snow. And I'd normally go and spend it with my mum up in Killerminster while I was single. And uh I just couldn't face it, what Gordon, because my mum used to make Christmas so special for me and my brothers. It was a big deal in our family. We used to love it, it like the warm feeling. And the music used to trigger off memory. So and I didn't want people to find me either because I got, I got close friends. I got a very close manager who knows where all my properties, I don't know where all my properties are. I've never visited most of mine. He knows where they are. He knows what to do. I can trust him in my life. And he was worried about my health. And he was worried that he'll find me dead in bed one day. You know, that was, you check on me every morning, make sure I'm up and, um, you, know, you know, got my mindset, right and stuff. But on the 17th of December, we, we shut down our schools. Uh, and, and then we don't normally open up to around about the 6th or 7th of January. Now, I was concerned because uh, I knew from the 17th of December to the 6th of January, I would see no one at all. It wasn't my turn to have the kids at Christmas. So, um, yeah, I, w- I didn't want people to give me the whole symphony thing, so I hated that. And that's, that's kind of normal. When, when you're in trouble, you push people away. Oh, yeah. And some of my franchises were trying to get to me, uh, but they couldn't get past the electric gates. And, and I knew they were going to try and get to me, especially at Christmas time. So I checked into a hotel. I turned my phone off. I'm not proud of it at all. But I, from the day before Christmas Eve to uh, just after New Year's, I literally just slept through it with uh, by alcohol, sleeping tablets, and antidepressants. I used to through the whole thing. I must have worried my mum to heck. And I know my friends are trying to get hold of me. And I stayed in the hotel so no one could track me down. And uh, I just, you know, they to pop out every now and again. And it's totally against what I preach and what I'm about, but I just couldn't bear it and uh, i was snowed in i couldn't go and see mum for that reason now the second year i did the same thing again just couldn't bear it being christmas uh i had the, the, my my daughters in the morning i can't cook or nothing you see my rich house poor house, so I'm, I'm an idiot when it comes to cooking but <laughs> i did like the microwave forget bolognese the they still remember it to this day they loved it and i dropped them off at my ex-wife's uh, house and uh bless her she she sneaked around the back and she gave me a roast dinner you know, we're full on it. She don't tell my and dad or nothing, because we're not supposed to be on good terms. Because our lawyers are like attacking the the fortune, and um, so she gave me that, and I and I, I was eating it on my own at the house. I took a picture, selfie. I have still got it to this day, of and I, was, I actually messaged my mum. I said, do you think it's safe to eat this? Maybe she's put something in it so that I'm not going to turn up the court in a few weeks' time, you know, for the divorce final hearing. But now after that i checked into the hotel and i just slept for it again using medication Um, and then i was on antidepressants and sleeping tablets and stuff um and before mum died my agent for the showbiz side of things was concerned about me because i was getting battered by the media all the time and totally to do with my famous buddy and accusing me of fathering one of his kids and all this stuff and driving me insane just couldn't get away from it and I didn't want this in my life at the time I need to spend time working with my franchises and and uh, my standing with my kids and spend time time my mum. my mum was going my agent said listen I'm going to South Africa uh, I need you to get you out of the country get your head straight and he's looking at pop star over there it's like the Britney Spears of South Africa um, come and chill out by the hotel and um, by the pool get your head right because you've got a lot to deal with. when your mum goes it's gonna hit you hard and then watch these tablets man because the doctors would, you literally, I literally got five minutes with a doctor and then a quick time they give you a prescription and you go back and give you another one and the other one hasn't looked at the file before you know it you're like on so much stuff it's unreal i was on like four or five different antidepressants and I, the RZPAM thing is a terrible thing i was just like a walking zombie i was described at the time no no functionality at all when i, when I got to south africa you know of course things changed then um i met monique she was the client kind of that my agent was representing. She was on tour and her bodyguards were stay at the hotel with her. Totally different to the way I've been raised, you know, like, you know, dating reality stars, glamour models. I had a famous glamour model I, I lived with a month before I met her. Um, you know, you, literally you get jiggy on the first night while we're well, with Is There's none of that until, you know, you don't leave the house and you don't date or sleep with anyone until you're married. I was in the spare room. Literally, that's the way it works. And if if you go out on a date, the parent comes with you because that's the way her religion is out there, the culture out there. And for me, it was a bit weird because she was 19. And I thought, God, this is not like it. I'm not used to this. I remember her, Her um, once we left the hotel, they asked me to come to stay at their house. And then her, I was in the spare room. And then her mum said, I think it's time you you stayed in, in Monique's room. And I was like, oh, yeah. About <laughs> time." <laughs> it's, been, it's been three weeks. This is not right about time and then they uh I get into Monique's room getting all excited yeah man it should be for me and then the Monique comes in gives me a kiss and says okay I'll see you in the morning so where are you going so my mum and dad put a put a bed in in their room they just want you to have my bed because it's more comfortable and bigger and I she shut the door and I'm thinking what am i doing 32 years old 19 year old virgin like three weeks later and i still haven't pulled her properly <laughs> i called up my mom who's just alive She's still still alive and doing okay and she said uh that's the way it should be son you know that's why your grandparents were married for 76 years and and stuff respect it that's the, that's the way it should be and and you're doing the right thing anyway we we, we got engaged uh we got engaged. I flew out there on April 24th. We got engaged on May the 18th, which my birthday. Yeah. And you got to do a proposal out like there in front of the whole family. And, and she still isn't able to to leave the house or, uh, or go and stay in like a hotel room be alone or anything like that. That's not the way it works. And then we got married a few months later. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I couldn't wait to get back to the hotel room that night, you know, as you can imagine. <laughs> it's that's, a, that's,
0: that's amazing, like sharing that. Like people won't know The chat, like everyone has, I mean, what I've taken from that, and thank you so much for sharing that because I think a lot of people will be listening to that going, wow, I did not know that. You know, you've, everyone sees the glitz, the glamour, don't they? The money, the car, all of that stuff and the Michael Jackson thing and all of that stuff, right? But they don't know it's a person behind all of that. And we all go through our challenges and we've all got our difficulties and we're all, all work, like as Jim Rohn says, that the same wind blows on us all. It's just in different directions sometimes. You know, you're going, it's never all plain sailing. It's never all positive, you know. And I think that,
1: that you know, thank you for sharing that because that's going to... Good, I'll I tell you straight, man. And I, I, I'm i hoping it'll inspire and help some people. I, I tried taking my life during that period four times. And I ended up in hospital in every one. And clearly I wasn't very good at it. I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> you need to get better at that, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it it was it was ironic for people to try and understand it because if you look at my fortune and success and my my network and what i drive the house out at, at the time didn't mean nothing when you're lowering your yeah i know you sadly lost your dad not long ago when you lowering your parent into the ground all that stuff don't matter anymore and then you walk away you think okay it's just me now I'm not in touch with the rest of my family i'm on this planet alone and that is a scary place to be and my reaction to that is i don't want to be alone anymore i, I can't trust people and people just got an agenda all the time i can't put up with this hate anymore um there's supposed to be free pr you know i just I don't want any more success i don't want any more money and i yeah i tried especially the night times it was just difficult for me through the medication side of that i just didn't want to wake up i didn't want to wake up and i, and I was a bit of a wimp with it i could have done it properly if i wanted to but you know, I just did – I wanted to go to sleep and not wake up. I couldn't deal – when I'm asleep, I'm not dealing with the pain anymore. I'm not dealing with that horrendous pain of being a lonely man with my mum who's gone at 56 years old, no family, due to maybe some decisions I've made, being a bit cocky when I was younger and stuff and maybe not looking at it from their point of view and trying to get to understand why I've got this weird life and they haven't, and looking out for them a bit more. Um, so, you know, I take some uh, – some fault on that for sure is on my, my side. Um, I've got no relationship with my father because we just got nothing in common. I mean, it's very difficult for him, too. And I didn't really understand that. He comes from a get-a-trade background. He couldn't understand why his son was on the media and getting all this and why why I would want that in the first place, you know? And so, yeah, it's uh, it ain't all rosy. But Monique was amazing because what she did is she took me under her wing she couldn't care less about the money because the way she'd been brought up. She understood the fame side and the gossip because she was the number one sad and pop star in stuff. She still is now. She's number one now, as you probably you're aware, I think. Still out there. And um, she got all that. She understood I had to react to things and media reports would be false about me. She understood that I have to react to things at 11 o'clock at night because it's the way it works. And when I'm out, I have to give the public time. In the middle of dinner, they will walk up to you and they'll expect to have a conversation or have a picture. And you talk about Michael. His fans are all around the world. So they come up to you. They they're, they're fascinated that they meet someone who's actually touched Michael Jackson's hand, and they want yeah. to. Yeah. Honestly, every day I go out, there's some kind of a reaction to that, or from my own TV work or what I do, uh, or all the bodybuilder fitness industry want to high five you, you know, and then have a picture. My my, my older daughter is especially one of them. She gets embarrassed by it and walks off. But but really I know she loves it really. It's funny, actually she, now she's trying to launch up her own uh, makeup business. She wants to do it in the media, suddenly her daddy's <laughs> suddenly her dad, that sounds like a great great load of fun, I can imagine. <laughs> now she likes it that her daddy's map for this and she's got an Instagram account and all my photos uh, <laughs> yes. and she and she's like, Oh dad, you know, I, I can open doors to to her and although she, I, I want her to make it for herself, but no. It's not all been rosy, but you don't hear about my downfalls. You only hear about my successes. And maybe it was a fault of mine. My franchises know, and I think they appreciate that, that we go through rough times. And, but, yeah, I was, was I cocky in early 20s? Yeah, of course I was. Of course I was a cocky dude. What? How can you not be when you're making that kind of £80,000 a month plus? Well, I think by the time I was 20 with my five schools, I was over 100000 a month. Um, and it got to a point where I didn't really have to do a lot as well. I just worked out and trained. I drove around in me Ferraris and and things, and uh of course, of course, you know, you're gonna be cocky, and it's not a lesson I can teach people. I'm afraid I've tried. I took, I keep saying to them, don't buy a Ferrari, don't do this. You, you will be cocky. There will be downsides. It's going to happen. It's going to gold. You can't teach that stuff, Gordon. It's like Kim Stones used to say to me, Matt, stop doing the size splits all the time. Stop doing the you know the, the, you know, the flying kick in the background, that's what I'm, I'm known for in the martial arts industry. Probably the only thing in the martial arts industry gave me credit for, if I'm honest, yeah. is my kicking skills. Bob Sykes said I was one of the greatest kickers there is, me and Lee Charles. And I just love I've got long legs. That's an advantage. A guy with short legs, it wouldn't look so good. But the flying kick is something I really want to perfect. It's like an image of mine. And Kim Stones, who's a world champion in Taekwondo, he used to say he must have been 40 then, and I was 20. He said, Matt, listen to me. Please stop doing side splits and stuff because, uh, you got no need to do it, and when you get older, you're gonna you're gonna need hip replacements and stuff like that. And I'm like, nah, nah, nah. I'll be, you know, cocky. I'm fine. What well, won't happen to me, Kim? He's had, he just had his hips replaced uh, a couple of years ago, and I'm gonna to have to have mine replaced. He was right. And it's lessons you can't teach, and I wish if someone could take anything away from this, it's just it's the school of hard knocks is the biggest education room out there, and if you could just listen to the downside, not just a success. Don't chase the money in the dream look out from people like me and you gordon too because i know you're a massive role model for people out there in the martial arts world or outside the martial arts world look at the stuff that i've been through respect your wife put your family first put your children first you'll never get time back i regret that big time i would trade the, the uh, time back and give away the money to spend those years with my three daughters and um and so on now the thing with the ex-wife we get on really really well now and my wife and her are like best buddies just last week is weird i did like the borat thing because i are putting furniture together here and i got i did like a video saying this is my wife this is my second wife yeah <laughs> yeah and they're laughing their heads off you know because uh yeah she's, she's 10 years so seven eight years older than me my ex-wife is but uh we don't have i've got six children in my world we don't have this half brother half sister thing my younger three don't know any different um, if my wife wants advice, she rings her. And it's quite weird sometimes because they they ring each other about, oh, you know, what, how do I handle Matt in this situation? And I'm like <laughs> oh, I'm freaking out here. And then her husband, he works on my house and my my um, properties as the main stuff. So she went and got married again, and people find it weird because uh, if they speak bad of me, they got no idea he's the stepfather to my children and that he also, we're on good terms. But yeah, you just gotta learn. Do you know one thing I learned years ago? I don't know name drop, but I'm sure you heard of Quincy Jones, yeah, who's a famous producer, and he achieved the impossible. And this is what I've seen in the martial arts now too, it's where everyone's come together. He got the biggest names in the world, pop music, all hated each other, all had a problem with each other, all competed together, and got them together in a room to make a single called "Heal." Uh, sorry, "We Are the World." Do you remember that? Yeah. To, to raise money for. um um, AIDS and stuff in in Africa, and he put a sign up on the door, and uh, before before these mega stars, we're talking like big time, Diana Ross, Lionel Ritchie who all competitors against each other, put a sign up on the door saying, "Before you leave, when you enter this room, leave your egos here." That's what he wrote. He put on a big sign, and it worked. He pulled it off. He pulled off the impossible. He had every big name there, all singing together on we're the world which raised you know millions and millions and millions and millions and that that really hit home with me thinking if the martial arts world could just leave park the egos and i had the ego back then they could just park it and learn from me and if you want to be successful that's fine don't bitch and moan about everybody else just look at what are they doing that you that can help you may not want to be have the crazy And i wouldn't if i could go back i wouldn't have what i wouldn't um I would do things a bit differently i wouldn't want to be where i am now with this monster of a of a of a business because uh there is a downside to that when it when it comes to having able to react to things even on christmas day you, you really have to to have a sacrifice of your freedom and stuff you know even if you go to stay at a hotel at another country you, even like it, we went to turkey last year i saw a year before like, last year didn't even happen and um it just takes one english person to know Recognize you and then your holiday is ruined because that dinner in the dinner tables and stuff. all day That's that guy there. Who's uh used to work for with MJ and it was on rich house poor house on this morning and And then the whole week that comes people gossiping about you and you're trying to sunbathe and they want a picture So there's a downside to this whole thing of being a mega success. You got to find the balance You got to be very clear what you want out of your life if you want a good family life then you need to make that a priority. If you want mega success, you're gonna you're not gonna get the balance right. What I've learned now is to get the balance perfectly right. That program taught me that actually, that rich house. I just thought it was gonna be another TV show. Actually taught me about the power of they are just as happy as I am, and they're living in a small terrace council estate with no money of living off 110 pounds a week. They were happy to leave my mansion, my Bentley, living off like I don't know, a five grand a week or something, at the high-class hotels. They were happy to get home, and they were. And I got back, and I realized they were happier than me, because they had the time with their kids and stuff. And my kids, they embraced the little action figures. They don't have all the playstations and stuff. They couldn't afford it, but they. Well, I took them to Hamleys um, as a treat, Gordon. This, this is. Imp- Michael did it to my children. He took them. We shut down Hamleys because he can't. We couldn't really go turn up places with him. It was difficult. So Hamley's they shut down Hamley's for us. And he said to my um my stepsons, How have any anything you want? Off you go. And they and they came back with just two toys. And he says, That's all is that all you want? they turned to me and said, Is that all they want, Matt? And I said, Yeah, I guess that they're not they're not used to that, you know? Yeah. And then I, I wanted to help that family from rich house poor mouse, the Lehman. So I said, Let's go to London. And I took him to London. Now they didn't shut the Tamleys down for me. That's when I had that down. <laughs> Yeah, it's a whole different world, man. When Michael died, it was a different world. But going to Euro Disney was a different experience to what I'd used to. But um, I went to Hamleys and I said to the family, "Listen, I want to do something for you guys. For 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 the two children, Freddie and Olivia, anything you want, off you go. Anything you want." And and I, I had to push them to spend my money. I had to really push them, you know. And uh, and it just shows you what what's important is what's under the roof in your head. And you've got to be so, such clarity on what your outcome is. Life goes quick in a heartbeat. It's only, it only seems like yesterday when I was 18, 19, 20, I thought being 41 would be so far away. Like starting a pension off at 20, I thought was deeply bizarre. Uh, but now I'm thinking, well, you know, 55 isn't that far away or 60 years old isn't that far away anymore. It goes quick.
0: Matt, I mean, just incredible story there. And really thank you for sharing that. And the, the gold in that, And is for any of you listening here right now, and this is important, what I've taken from that is, you know, life is a journey. You will change over time from your youth to your wisdom as you get a bit older. And what I can feel from you, Matt, is like there's things that you've done that you're probably not, you know, you may not have been, you know, you wouldn't do again. Okay, there's things that you would do again. Um, And their experiences. And one of the things you said is you can't change people. You're right. They have to go through it. And you've been through your experience for a reason there, Matt. You've been through it because, you know, you can now help a lot more people because of their experiences. You know, and I think, you know, you're truly humble. Like, it's great. It's been absolutely amazing. So I'd like to just finally, if I may, Um, just hit the Michael Jackson thing as well, because I think this is important because that's always the controversy, isn't it? Around your relationship with Michael Jackson, bodyguarding, et cetera, and especially in the martial arts world. So, you know, just just take us through that a little bit and just let them know like that, how that all panned out with Michael Jackson. You know, what you feel, here'd be a good one actually, what you felt you got from the martial arts industry, what happened? You know, you had a lot of finger pointing, a lot of negative, negative press around that. How did you feel around that? And you know,
1: what are your thoughts around that whole thing? It was, I think, uh, he uh, Michael was my friend, uh, close friend, and he's introduced to me by another close friend. And it's, it's something you can't make up again, Gordon, like this fairy tale, which now I can understand it. But when you when at the time, he was just my mate, and I I, I assumed my friends in the public would understand that, which they didn't. They're like, what's going on here? It's doesn't make any sense at all. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, I'll try and cut it short as I can. But so when my martial arts school really came off, well, it was big news in, in North Devon because nothing much goes on down there. And a reporter came in from an agency called Southwest News. And they basically stick stories on the wire and it gets picked up by newspapers if people want it. And he came in, and his name was Nick Constable. Um, and his kids trained at one of my schools. And parents aren't silly. So you, you mustn't try and hide your success, guys, if you're out there. They get their calculator out. They know exactly what you're earning, and normally they overestimate it too. And he came up, up to me, and he said, listen, Matt, I'm a journalist, and uh, I'd like to interview you from the booty boy, no qualifications. You're clearly making a lot of money. And uh, take some pictures and put the story on the wire. I didn't understand the why back then. I did not really get it. So, well, I thought it's cool, you know. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to be in the, in the local newspaper or something. So he did it, and then two days later, I was the front page of every Sun, the Star, the, the Mail, everything you can imagine. bully Boy becomes millionaire, and I had a picture of me when well, I looked very cute and vulnerable, and a picture of me sat on me uh Ferrari, and, I, and the story was duplicated everywhere. And on the back of that, I did some TV shows. Called, you probably remember. Uh, Trisha, remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a big launch pad for me, I think. So I did like a spinning crescent kit, it was a thing that I could do really impressive on stage. I don't have much space to do it. And it was all about the crowd, give me a big round of applause and my use my bullying to motivate me to be successful. And then I did Kilroy, and then I did Esther Ramson. And by that point, I was making a hell of a noise. All I wanted to be is to be in martial arts illustrated. That's all I wanted to be in. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what happened is back in the day, we had the answer phones there, sat on the side of your reception at your full time school. Um, there was an answer phone message from Yuri Geller's bodyguard. Now, Yuri Geller in England is more known for bending spoons than anything else, but he's actually he's hugely successful. I mean, his house is like a replica of the White House. I mean, it's amazing on on thames he's got companies or you know, businesses and interests all around the world he's world famous every country you guys do know he is some of them he can't move around and he's that big time household name for what 50 years um he wants to meet me and discuss working with him on an anti-bullying project where he does mindset and positive thinking and i did like some basic self defense moves and back then it was going to be given out to schools on vhs okay so, yeah, so I went to meet him. I was super impressed when his gates opened to his house. I come down. I was like, oh, man, this is just where I want to be. This is insane, you know. So, uh, gold everywhere, marble, toilets. Dear me, it was just – I've, I've never experienced anything like it. And I met the guy, and he was so nice. I had I'd half an hour with him, and then they're like, Mr. Gellabs, you got your next appointment. Um, And then we went away. I think he just saw something in me. He just saw something in me that he could uh, – we could work together on. We ended up producing four best-selling kickboxing fitness videos, um, on the back of his fame, and they were huge in Asia and, and and other parts of the world. And then Tybo came and just blew us away. Remember the Tybo era? Yeah. 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 Lee Blanks blew us away. Yeah. Yuri, understand who's who's this guy, man? He's <laughs> blown us away. Um, we we stayed very very close friends, and I go to events with Yuri. He uh, he bought our Exeter City football ground as well, and um, yeah. Long story short, I knew he used to coach and consult. Because around the world, he's, he's famous more for, like, a Tony Robbins figure, for a uh, mindset. He's got books out, like, Mind Medicine um, and stuff like that. And and he's very good at that, at NLP psychology stuff. He's mm-hmm. awesome at that. The bending thing is just, well, the thing that draws people to him, just like Tony Robbins with the Firewalk.
0: Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. So, um, yeah, what well, he'd advise big names. And I, I used to hear big names ringing up, like presidents of certain countries and stuff. We never really took any notes of it. I certainly never heard anything to do with Michael Jackson. And uh, yeah, three o'clock in the morning, I had a phone call, which is not normal for, for super successful people. They're up and working, and Yuri's got stuff going all around the world. you got to come to my house now. And uh, I lived in Basketball. So from my house to his, we're talking in three and a half hours. It's like, hey, what's wrong? Yuri, you okay? So I can't tell you why you got to come, but if you don't come now, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. I was like, "Gee, what am I going to tell my missus, man? I, I got to tell her something." She so said, "You got to come to my house; she'll understand in a few days' time." I said, like, well, "How am I going to explain this to her? Can you talk to her?" She said, "No, nope, I'm not getting involved." And he said, "You got a Ferrari? What, so moaning? Get in a car. I love you. Bye. Put the phone down on me." And I was like, "Dear man, what do I do?" So We had like, this massive row. My missus, as you can imagine, was like. Oh, you go in at three in the morning. Yeah, right. You go to Yuri Geller's house for who are you meeting there. You know, what supermodel are you meeting there? I don't know. So I drove there, got down to his house. Um, they let me in the, through the gates, through security, and uh, nothing giveaway really. There's like three SUVs, out, black SUVs outside. Walk in and then go into the living room. And then this frail man walks up to me and he bows like that his hand out, said, "Hi, nice to um, nice to meet you, master. my name is Michael Jackson." And I'm thinking, "I know you're Michael Jackson. What the hell are you doing here?" I was like, "Pinch," <laughs> you know. And I tell you what happened: about two weeks prior to that, I went to watch Michael perform in Wembley, and he did eight shows with like 80,000 people. I'm just standing there, getting squashed to death, and I was, and i was staring at him and admiring just the, the multi thing about what he's about, the image he created. The billionaire, successful, the, you know, the Beatles catalog is probably what he's most famous for. That was valued up billions and billions and still taking the, the time to perform. I mean, he'd really he'd just loving what he did. And on the way home, we had pages back then, actually. I got a page to ring Yuri. And Yuri saw some feedback. I didn't know, but Michael was actually staying on and off at Yuri's house. I had no idea they were best friends. Um, but we, we we stayed up like a couple of nights and... Uh, um. We, we got on really well and he wanted to meet me I think Yuri put me in his life because at the time he had, he had long-term security he had retired and he wanted to meet me because he's a martial arts fanatic and he wanted to meet Shannon Lee and um, Linda Lee he loved the Bruce Lee movies he puts martial arts into his dance if you watch it so I, I talk about him like he's still here he's a good real habit and um, he went, and I and uh, Yuri knew I could make that happen for a guy called uh, John Graydon and Joe Lewis. Who passed away sadly seven eight years ago? Now the karate champion, who was friends with Bruce Lee, so I, I made those calls and tried to set that up. Another story, but the um, yeah, he he wanted he, he's black belt already. Him and his brother's are black belt. His, Joe Jackson made them train. Where they were young, because he felt they needed to defend himself. Joe was a boxer, so he had this interest in martial arts, and we became best buddies. Then he introduced me to a guy called Mark Lester, who played the original Oliver Twist. Remember Oliver, the little police circle perhaps some more. Well, they grew up together as child stars, and um, we just—they—I used to train them. We used to, in the hotel suite. We used to move the tables away, and we used to carry on training. Mark, Mark, and Michael are both black belts under me, and then as time progressed on. I realized he had a difficult time with trust i had access to all these instructors who worked for him for free so i was never paid by the guy i wouldn't accept any money he used to try and offer me money and um yeah i, I remember that we left yuri's and i said goodbye to him and i I, t- I didn't have the guts to ask for a telephone number with gordon i just couldn't do it you know uh, but he said to me can i have your number i'll give you a call and I was saying, I'm never going to hear. He's dodged a qu- I'm never going to hear from his number again, you know, name is his, his, uh, from this bloke ever again. This is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And no one's going to believe, mate, like, you have the guts to ask for a picture or anything because you just can't do that in that friendship situation. And then uh, yeah, he said to me, I'm going to call you in two weeks' time and invite you to New York to stay with me because he was recording an album. Well, three weeks went past nothing. And then suddenly um, one of my staff calls me and said, I was at home. And they called me from my martial arts school and said, Jesus Christ, you wouldn't believe it. There's this one and a half minute long message here from Michael Jackson, on the Asaphore saying, you to come to New York. He's the name he's staying under. He's got flight tickets for you and your wife. And um, yeah, that was that. I flew out to him. I was there with him for like three weeks, just hanging out. And the day he was like not having to play the Michael Jackson part. It was just him, him and me just chilling out in the hotel room. And we went to watch uh, Toy Story 2 together. Uh, with his kids and and just hang out while he was recording and did a bit, bit of training and planned some ideas. Uh, I wanted to help him out with a charity he was doing. He wanted to try and get the world to spend time with their kids eating meals together, stuff like that. So he uh, launched a campaign called Heal the Kids, which I was behind hugely and worked with him on. And we launched that from Carnegie Hall in Manhattan in 2000. Um, yeah, to me, he was just a friend, you know, and he'd come and visit me all the time. What I didn't understand at the time is how people would perceive that And and why is this 18-year-old guy, how the hell has he got all this success? And now he's hanging around with the most famous man on earth. And Joe Gordon didn't really hit to me until I was actually on the side of a stage with Michael. In 99, he did a show called Michael Jackson and Friends in Munich in Germany. And he wanted me to come out and hang out with him to keep him company. And I saw him rehearse. And the guy that rehearsed and the guy that I knew privately was two very different people. And when and then I watched him perform in the night time and, and he just is hanging out underneath the stage like this, you know, like 80,000 people screaming his name. Then they get inside this thing, um, we call it a toaster, and he pops him out of the stage and he lands he lands in this position, like a ready position, you know, and he stays like completely still. And I was still on the side of the curtains and I never heard so much noise screaming. So it's so one minute I went down on the ground with him underneath the stage, just talking about stuff, no nerves from the guy whatsoever. And then i go to the side of the stage he flows out of the stage and stays still for like three minutes and i'm supposed to be looking after him at this point as like a bodyguard stroke friend and i think and i didn't know is this part of the deal or what and actually yuri's is one of yuri Geller's assistants uh said oh you maybe you should go out and see him i'm so glad i didn't because that's part of the act he stays still <laughs> <laughs> And this tv show this, this show michael jackson feds now smendello was in the crowd and stuff it's been beamed all around the world so i would have made a complete fool of myself i would have walked up to the, <laughs> the one of his acts and he just twitches his head and the whole crowd goes man and he throws the jacket off and then he went into uh where you make me feel and Billy Jean and stuff and the stage is rocking and he came off stage and we have to we have to run like out like he like he's off stage but the crowd don't realize but we're in in the hotel room with him and he's watching the end of the show before they're let out they, they still think he's on stage. Do we, we have like a lookalike of body doubles and stuff and techniques to do that. So we run like out. I get to the hotel room, and he puts his pajamas on, sits down. And I'm like, Mike, uh, where the hell did that all come from? Because I got no clue. He said, I've got no idea. It just comes from above. It just it's a totally different guy to, uh, to the shy, soft-spoken thing. But the bloke was just a genius in what we call personal branding this, these days with his mm-hmm. image making and fall in the public and um he he always used to say how oh, they fall into my trap and i if you look at the my career i've obviously learned a lot from that guy i don't want to correct negative things i don't want to talk out um about things because that's the way not stay a mystery for people to be interested in you yeah. i created this image on the back of what he taught me negativity is fine it's fine it's good it's good to be controversial. yuri says to me all the time I'm famous, Matt, for 50 years and still make it you know, one of the most famous guys in the world because I've been controversial my whole life. You look at the greats like Madonna, Usher, all these people, they all they're all controversial in a way. You don't get to know they're reinventing themselves the whole time. And Michael was a genius at that. And he used to read three or four non-fiction books a week. And he used to find who's good in their field and he used to study them, like what we call modeling, like Tony Robbins teaches. And that's why I wanted to meet Bruce Lee's uh, daughter and, and ex-wife, so he wanted to find out what made bruce lee have that extra special tick so that he could take his career to the next level and yeah I, i'll cover the controversial stuff he didn't want to know people to know if he's gay or straight right no because he, he was taught at five years old don't tell uh by motown don't tell uh the public if you have a girlfriend because you'll lose half your fan base that's the way he was conditioned he was one of the old schoolers, so right to the very end he was t- taught that. We nearly got him to uh, open up about it. But he had girlfriends. I, I mean, I know because I was with him all the time. He married Lisa Marie Presley, man. I mean, those two were jiggy all the time. I know it it a few rooms down. He's had girlfriends who's published books. Um, and he doesn't get a sought- lawsuit from the Michael Jackson estate because it's the truth. Um, but unfortunately, the media know about this. And I've had the Daily Mail many times say to me, i mentioned why don't you interview her she's well, i just spoken to her she was michael's girlfriend for the last eight years of his life yeah we know about her but it goes against the narrative so we can't we can't talk about her and I'm like, well that's not fair you can't talk about my friend like that you know but he was a huge inspirational to to me he wasn't into young boys at the last time. that is totally ridiculous but when you're the biggest star in the world you're the biggest target and he was very naive he built neverland to help charities that was in his home Gord. He didn't fall at like home there at all. He liked being in the hotel suites and stuff where he had extra security. I mean, he had over 150 bodyguards at security at allowed because people used to head a cop, used to uh, parachute in and I hope they could meet him. He couldn't walk around the grounds on his own. He had people following, cameras everywhere. There was no privacy there. And the fairground and all that stuff, he used to limit the Georgian to like an hour or two hours a week on it. He was very clever. You don't get to be the most successful man in the, the world, most famous man in the world it was the biggest selling albums in the world and franchised out all over his branding and stuff if you haven't got the intelligence about, it. so it's about him. And so there's the qualities of his soft side which comes from his mother, Catherine, and the ruthless businessman which comes from his father, Joe Jackson. And Michael had two parts. But you'd only see the image that he wanted to create. Before we go to public, he'd always remind us, make sure you keep the mystery going. I want my life to be the biggest mystery on earth. And then what happens, unfortunately, is... He's gone now. He's not here to speak for himself. His image he's created backfired on him. You know, that was, there was no social media in 2009. We had like uh, MySpace and, yeah. and stuff like that. Email was just becoming the common thing. But even he now, he'd be able to jump on Clubhouse or Facebook Live and clear things up. He, he was relying on journalists to tell the truth. But they were only negative media will get you where you want to be. It's sex, drugs, rock and roll, baby. That's it. That's the only way you're going to get in a newspaper for a positive story. So,
0: it's so true. And, and and amazing, mate. And and like you just, you know, just sharing the journey, aren't you? So with that then, so all of that thing, and, and I and I know, you low, know, like I know, the the controversy around that in the martial arts world, you didn't know Michael Jackson, all that. How does that make you feel when you hear that? Like when you heard that? Because that's gotta hurt. Like it's gotta like well if, you know, you've heard people say, well, you don't, you know, yeah, not the time. He did, he only had an umbrella for him and all of that kind of stuff. And clearly, man. yeah, how does that make you feel like as a, as a person when you've clearly had
1: they gotta, be, they gotta be idiots, right? I mean, it's like go to YouTube, stick in Matt, there's Michael Jackson, there's like flipping eight years worth of video content where we're out and about. And uh, the umbrella thing, I get that. i tell you why that picture is always used picture of Michael Jackson, especially in death, is worth a lot of money and it's copyrighted. Now, on that day, that was when we brought him to Yuri Geller on the football ground. So we convinced him to come down and do this fundraiser for HIV and AIDS. We had like 8,000 people there. And he wanted me up on stage with him. It, it wasn't planned. It just happened. Actually, he just pointed to me and said, I need you up here because uh, I was the one who did have a kid at the time. So I was quite happy to take the bullet, basically. And we used to get frets every day with him. Now, we let all the paparazzi in that day because we wanted maximum exposure for, for that event because it's a big charity event. So why that picture of the umbrella is used so much is because it's copyright-free. No one can pinpoint who's took it. And that annoys me why they don't use other Well, I've got stuff here. It's my, ch- my ch- child's bedroom, right? And uh, they, so you got one here like me and Mike. I don't know where the heck we are there. Cross, cross the other way, mate. That's me and Mike there. Yep. i got one of me and him in are- a in my house back then I mean he's like a Cross the other way that's it that's in my living room yeah 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 I mean you gotta be a freaking idiot and the other thing too is you go onto you know onto these big documentaries which I feature in a lot of them. they they have researchers and stuff they research you out actually last night it's quite interesting because uh, I had a text from a from um, a fan club and uh there's another of my Jackson documentary come out I'm all over it And they've used interviews from me that I've given about him in the past and stuff. And uh it's on Amazon Prime, I never knew about there's one I one I did after the allegations were made against them a couple of years ago, that stupid documentary. Um those two two guys, which I knew one of them very, very well, Wade and James. And and um we did a combat one where the estate said, you know, get together and let's attack it. And we did one called Chase the Truth. And um we went back and and we attack the allegation, proved that it's wrong. And actually, one of those guys has lost their case. What they failed to mention in that documentary, which is the real narrative, is that the, both the boys were suing the Jack, Michael Jackson estate for over for hundreds of millions of dollars. And I think it's unfair that wasn't included. So I think a lot of people would switch the channel for oh, this is ridiculous. And those two lads, James and well, not lads, they're one of them. They're both older than me. They were our star witnesses in 2005 when Michael Jackson was found not guilty in 14 charges. They were the guys who swore on oath that there were nothing happened to them and stuff, you know. And they talk about Mike's bedroom. Mike's bedroom is bigger than a mansion, man. It's on two floors, several bathrooms. It's not like that's that's his place where he can have some privacy. It's not like a bedroom, you know. He's got a fireplace in there. He's got his jacuzzi, it's, it's like a whole, it's like a whole mansion within a cell. Massive apartment, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not, but they just get the wrong thing. I think it's the trouble with Mike is that he um. He was so conditioned to stick by the image and not care about what people would say, and and now it's backfired. It's taken people like me, like Mark Lester, is uh, is Mike, Michael's best friends. Oliver Twist, Mark is godfather to my daughter, and he's also godfather to all of Michael's children. So those idiots out there think I never knew him. Why would Mark have anything to do with me? Yeah. You know, where's all this footage? Who is this guy then? He's <laughs> getting screamed out wherever he go. Yeah. Do you know what it is, Gord? This is what I found with Michael. I don't get it with any of the other celebrities that I've worked with. Only him. We used to walk down hotel corridors and people used to check out of the room. And then he used to bump into us. And they're like, oh, it can't be you. It can't be. Michael used to say, I have to be somewhere in the world at some time. But he Mm -hmm. creates this, like, mystique about Mm -hmm. it that people didn't think he's actually a real character. You know? I'll tell you a funny story. We left the hotel once and um, there was a lot of fans of paparazzi at the, at the foyer. So we took the back entrance from his hotel suite through the kitchen and we came out through the conference entrance to this hotel. And we bumped into this bride and groom that just got married. And he didn't think about it. And he, uh, he went up and he um, shook the guy's hands. Congratulations, getting married. And then the bride wanted, wanted to have a picture with him. And he took a picture with the bride. And then we got in the lift. And he looks at me. He said, "Man, I've just done something stupid, haven't I?" I so yeah, man. He looks like you've just got married, bro. Yeah. So <laughs> please go back and go tell them not to give that pray, that picture to the media. And he started to cry about it. You know, I had to go back and find him. And say, "Listen, please, don't release that picture to the me. media. They're going to say he's got married." It's the way you had to go through. It was just how. It was like there was no glamour there. You couldn't do nothing, nothing at all. But I will tell you some funny story. Bob Sykes is. This is hilarious, right? So um they put me Yuri, me and Yuri Geller on the front cover of Martial Arts Illustrated and did a story about uh what we were doing together and mind power, and martial arts, mindset, and so on. You Michael saw that. Michael saw it at my house. He wanted to be on the front cover of Martial Arts Illustrated. I didn't think that would be an issue. I thought Bob Sykes would be cool with that. This was back in like early 2000s. So I called Bob up and I was trying to trying to show off to Michael a little bit. Michael sat next to me. I put I put Bob on like loudspeaker. He said, Hey Bob. I'm here, I'm next to Michael Jackson. Um, and he, I think he said a quick hi to Bob. And uh, Bob didn't realize I was a loudspeaker. And he said, uh, um, Michael's, you know, he's a martial artist and stuff. And me and Bob were close friends by this time. He knew I was good friends with Michael. He said, um, uh, Mike, Michael would like to be on front cover. He doesn't want any money for it. He just wants to promote the values of martial arts and all it can do to empower people and stuff. And he's like, ah, oh, Matt, I, I, to be honest, Michael Jackson not my cup of tea. I just like to walk the hills around Huddersfield and stuff and things. Uh, it's not the right time right now and stuff. And then he laughs about it now because when Michael died, it was, uh, he put Michael on the front cover of me. Everyone was out for him, you know? And it's like, and also like Kim Stones too. Kim will openly tell you is that I called Kim up and David Lowe, another guy, I think you know David. David's an amazing story. I got, I called David, one of my assistants called David up. He's on my guest list to come to an event to meet Michael and, a, sort of a private function that we have and he he was a son on a sunday or saturday night it's a saturday night and he said to his wife he was at he had by atomic at that time he said to his wife um, max invited us down tomorrow night apparently there's some celebrity there who i want to meet um and, the, and in the end they decided to turn up at the last minute they decided not to go they were tired and then the next morning he said he was what he turned the news on and he was choking on his cornflakes it's all over the press uh on i on on uh what was it big breakfast back then michael jackson is here at this event and he's like you, and he's called his wife did you know what last night you've made me miss the biggest opportunity of my life because you said you were too tired And <laughs> he, well, Keith Stone says it all the time to me he's like, that opportunity i had missed it we just thought it was a prank man how the hell could you be hanging around with him 18 years old well that's, that's, that's that was the thing i think that's the
0: thing isn't it and i think that people i mean clearly you, you 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 know you were friends with him like you can tell you know a lot about him you know and i think that's important and i think you add this image then, haven't you through the martial arts industry around the michael jackson thing that really is the thing that the money the fame and all of that kind of stuff that came with it and you completely disrupt the industry but um i to say thanks for doing the interview today, Matt, because we could go on for hours and hours with this. And I know we've got some really good comments here as well as we're, as we're listening in. And what, what strikes me is that you've been on a huge journey in your life and you've come through from where you were, which is, you know, highly successful at 17, 18, 19, 20 years, all the way through, disrupted an industry. You know, learned. You've, you've shared some amazing things that martial arts school owners need to know. Like they need to understand the importance of customer service. It's not about, it's all about the other person. You know, that's what your brand, um, you know, personifies in many ways. And what's been great along this as well is learning about you as a person, about who you are, about the, you know, really the, you know, the hard times that you've had, the lessons that you've learned, which you shared eloquent so eloquently through this. Um, and, and I want to say a big respect to you. Um, for what you've done and what you continue to do and what you're, you know, where you're moving into. And what really struck me is, and I think this is perfect, where you realise that it doesn't really matter about all other things. What matters is family. What matters is, you know, uh, love. And I think that is so beautiful, Matt. And, and you know, it couldn't, you know, it you, you know, it really resonates with me. And, you know, we're all striving for greatness in our own ways and things that we want to achieve. And, you know, what you've done won't be for everybody for sure. You know, like you said, you wouldn't, fame wouldn't be. But what success in any way, and I think what's really important for everyone here, success in any form, don't sacrifice what's really, really important. And I think yeah. that's a great yeah. message, Matt, a great, great message. So is there anything else you would like to to share um, before we finish? Well, I'd just
1: like to send some real love to my haters for getting me to where I am. Thank you so much. <laughs> I can assure you I ain't going anywhere and the best is yet to come and uh it's all about changing life Gordon. that's all my career has been about changing someone's life you're going to get a reward for doing that that's all it's about whether it's in martial arts or any other subjects i'm doing but uh, you know it's all about changing their lives and uh if you make a difference to someone else you'll get paid back over and over and over again but yeah my life has been weird I, i've learned to accept that now and uh, and stuff But maybe it's been privileged. I don't know. It depends how you want to describe it. But um yeah, i just want everyone to learn from what I've been through you only need so much money. Money doesn't change things. You can arrive at your problems of style, you can help other people. I mean I pay for operations and stuff for for, for, uh people who can't afford it to to help like breast cancer. I'm very passionate about that because I lost my mum to that. I funded my Monique's auntie, she she's South Africa, she got diagnosed with breast cancer. They don't have NHS out there, you die. Simple as that. I had her in. I had her in. A, I paid for the whole thing. All done. She's still alive now, like seven, eight years later. She's in the surgery. With surgeons within forty-eight hours. That's what it's about. It's not about the cars. We we can all get out there and afford enough food to eat, and have a roof over our head, or the government will help you with that. There's only so many cars you can get, so many holidays you can take. And I think what's happened with the the COVID thing is that you know, I shared with you before COVID. I was looking at probably calming things down a bit, but it's made me realize now we're all very vulnerable creatures. And I've got great contacts and a great inner circle still. Even even though Mike's gone, it allowed me access to a lot of his powerful friends who have still stayed in contact with me. And the lessons I've learned that I didn't really learn, knew that I learned, I came into my mind naturally that I just want to help other people now who've been hit with COVID hard. To go out there to make sure uh with coronavirus or, you know we know the media likes this type of stuff pandemics world crises that's going to stick around i'm afraid to say I, I saw on a news report a couple of weeks ago and no disrespect to bird lovers but they had a news feature headline news on a pandemic that was killing swans as in the bird unbelievable it was mainline news and i think you've got to protect you've got to get yourself now not just business owners but the public, I've got to call, well, I call it bulletproof your finances. So if a world crisis did come around again, that you've got yourself in a position where you don't have to worry about money mm-hmm. at all. That you can feed your kids. You can leave a legacy. You've got the things in place. And the sad thing, they don't teach you this at school. You know, they don't teach you. I don't understand why. I don't get that. Um, but you've got, you've got to now actually get yourself ready. Because I don't, I th- coronavirus will come to an end. Then we'll have the boom. But there's going to be some other stuff come out in the future. And if you've got your eggs in place that that I'm trying to now – I decided just to open the doors, you know. I, I got no ego, whatever. I don't care. If I see someone struggling, I'll jump on a Zoom movie for 15 minutes. And I know you do the same thing too and, and try and pull them through. And uh, you got to get everything in place now to, to bulletproof yourself in case it's coming around again. Because we didn't know this this hit like, a, like an animal. And sadly, Gordon, not many of the martial arts schools – you know, who are out there. A lot of them didn't make it or just give up. They mm. just could handle it. But the ones that do push it now, you'll come through this and you'll have the biggest growth ever, but you've got to get yourself to six figures first and then you need to invest so that you're earning money while you sleep in passive income. And I, I know that's what you're passionate about too, motivating, changing lives. And uh, so, yeah, for now, you know, for me, it's not about the money. I want my franchises to be set up forever for life. So they don't have to worry about things. They they get those real life lessons about what i'm about what i do and i put the guys you know i know people have hated me before but if they ever want any advice then contact me for you gordon, or shoot me an email not an issue you know or, i'm a help out if you're struggling out there right now your mindset or whatever then uh you know, any, anything if you watch this video back and you've got a question then just message gordon they'll get it to me we'll get we'll get it back to you we, we're just here to try and help you all really and uh yeah covid I said to my wife at 40 years old, I'm going to calm it down a bit. But I realized actually I can't calm it down. I've been too privileged with my inner circle and I should be going out there and helping not just martial artists, but in my organization, but outside that, all businesses are teaching the stuff that I've been taught to me at a young age that they don't teach at school. It's not available out there for my real world hard school of Knox life, you know, and not just the glamour side and maybe talk about my failures a bit more too. And I've, general you know Gordon, I've worked out, um, I've set up about sixteen businesses that have failed. Of course, you have. You don't hear about them. Doesn't surprise me.
0: I and I, I, I know that would be the case. And um, you've been totally humble through this whole interview, great right, mate. And it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to have you on here. I knew you'd have a load of wisdom, and it's great to hear your story, and it's great for martial arts schools to hear your story and to really unravel Matt Fidesz's uh, the person behind it who I know has got a big heart. So uh, thanks for joining us, mate, on this interview. It's been great to have you on, mate. And, You're welcome, sir. Um, reach out um, to Matt. And, you know, I know he's got a, uh, a mission in his life going forward. So thank you very much, my friend. Thank you for listening, guys. That was Matt Benez. And we will speak to you again soon. Take care, mate. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank
1: you very much for having me on
0: thanks for listening to the martial arts business podcast you can follow gordon personally on facebook at black belt in business also join our free facebook group martial arts business mastery community for some great advice tips and support on building your martial arts empire keep learning developing and growing and you will become a black belt in business